0: I'll just let you keep thinking of naked Nick, Nick Offerman throughout <laughs> this entire episode. Enjoy. Welcome back to Ranking Seventy Six. where We review and rank the heroes and villains of the American West. I'm Eric. I'm Matt, and we're here to celebrate Deadwood. And by celebrate, I mean we're going to talk about Al Swearengen. Which not not going to be a lot of celebrating by the end of this episode. Um, Matt, you've been watching Deadwood. What what are your thoughts on Al Albert Ellis Swearengen? Dude, he's such a
1: ugh, scummy dude, man. Yes,
0: he is. He's not even a good guy in in any ounce of the, like, anything. No, there's definitely a part where, like, the series kind of says, okay, he's kind of a good guy. Like, how do we turn on some charm? But he's a real prick. (laughs) No, uh there's a part in the series where he kind of, like, flips the switch a little bit. He kind of gets a cult following, yes, because the actor, I forget his name. He's really good. Dang it. I'm gonna... Ian McShane. Ian McShane, there you go sorry i'm very sorry that was a sin uh he does such a good job with that character like people just start liking the oh character. so because
1: the fans started liking them they're like we gotta like let him stop
0: being such an evil yeah. we really have to go off the script here guys like we mm-hmm. can't just we can't do all of the terrible things but they still <laughs> do pretty terrible things al is by no means a good guy ever but you can kind of tell he's you'll see when the main villain picks up but he's not the villain of the, the first uh he's not the vil- the main villain i guess
1: because he wanted that girl dead the little girl right away yes yes he did so anyone yeah. that wants to kill kids you know oh let's i
0: bet i know who the bad guy is i i bet you do but We have a lot to get through tonight, (laughs) so we have a lot of talking for those behind the mic. We're going to be doing two episodes and a watch-along tonight, so Matt's going to hear my voice until he throws up.
1: (laughs) Too late. Well, see you, (laughs) everyone.
0: Okay. Ooh. First off, we're going to show you a picture of Mr. Swangin. Actually, you know what? Just go to his Wikipedia page. The best picture of him is on there. It's disputed, but it it has been more confirmed. You can barely. I mean, damn, he looks pretty
1: close to Ian McShane. They did a pretty good casting on that. It really does. He looks. Are you talking about uh, the one behind the bar? Yes. Big old mustache, like typical. Um, He's a lot better dressed. Than what I imagined,
0: especially for Deadwood. Oh, we'll we'll go into it. He was not a poor man. He uh, there's another picture of him riding in a carriage, looking all menacing. Like I'm just gonna show that up to the camera for Matt. Um, Nothing really. Say he just looks like he's giving. Like he looked like you passed him too fast on the freeway, and he's (laughs) about to give you a death flare. Uh. So, so yeah. Before we really get into the episode, though, I thought there was one particular quote from Esteline Bennett, who's kind of a... She wrote a book called Old Deadwood Days. It's not really historic historical. She says it's more of a work of fiction, but dang it if everything she says in that book isn't sourced and, like, true. So, like, she had some play with the dialogue, but for the most part, she did live in Deadwood in, in uh, 1876 when it popped out of nowhere. So I thought this was a pretty... If you want to sum everything up in a quote just kind of the vibe of the gem we're about to go into so to quote esteline bennett she said the quote the gem theater for nearly quarter of a century was a clangorous tangling insidious part of deadwood's nightlife the raunchous tone of its ballyhooing bass brand of the streets outside threaded through the peeling church bells like an obletto they shrieked in blatant brass and interdependence of the good and bad in deadwood gulch their steady rhythm caught the strokes and held them together in a symbolic confusion of sound. That pretty much sums up
1: <laughs> what Deadwood <that one> was.
0: <laughs> it's a very confusing paraphrase because you uh, like think a lot of you are like, wait, what? Was she complimenting him? Was she insulting him? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes, she was. And that about, that's it. That's the vibe. You either love swear you have the really liked the gem and Sweringen, or you really didn't most really didn't i was just I'm, I'm in the camp of uh not born to a dutch family of immigrants who came over as far back as the 1650s ellis albert Sweringen was born on july 8th 1845 as a twin not only is there one there's <laughs> two of them does it explore that Nope, no, it does not. I don't think you could find another Ian McShane, but that would be fun. (laughs) The family would go on to have five other children with little living documentation. His father had multiple jobs, including as a farmer and a sheriff, but leaves both to become a grocer and a butcher. That is until Al's father leaves his mother for his mother's sister. Oh, come on, son. Yeah. Well, that's his dad. Little Little Albert is now wondering why his aunt is his new stepmother. <laughs> but, Call me mom, but you're auntie. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, his father is fifty one years old, and she is seventeen years younger than him. Which isn't she can make her own decisions, but I would I'd like to know that opening conversation, if there was one. So <laughs> anyway. Al, Al's mother, Kaziah was basically left impoverished for the next 10 years of hard living. Al and his brother, Lem, are left on their own when Keziah dies a decade li- a decade later, after some really hard living. Daniel moved to Yankton, Dakota Territory, where he dies of tuberculosis in 1886. That comes up kind of later, but it's not important, so we're just going to say... They're obviously estranged. Al doesn't have much to do with them, but just know he's not stepping up on a And on Yankton's a, a crap hole, but... So that's why we're I mean, not gonna talk about it. It is. It's not great. Sorry, Yankton. You have the river the riverfront days, or whatever it's called. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being nice. It's tourism, Matthew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wink. <laughs> Stop winking. Yankton, you're a lovely town. Never, never better. A lot better. Okay. The twins, Al and Lem, traveled together for two years until they traveled to Dakota Territory where Lem decides to settle down, leaving his, his brother, Al, to wander, where he heads up to Dakota Territory. Now, just, just some background on why the Dakota Territory was so popular and also why they also shouldn't be there. Dakota Territory had longly been con- contested as far back as 1776. Yes, 1776, as in the year of independence. Uh, but it wasn't by the Americans. Obviously, they barely had in America. But it was instead being contested by the Cheyennes and the Lakota. The, the Lakota end up kicking the Cheyenne off the land, and then kind of fall in love with the Black Hills to the point where they even start throwing in their creation story. Not just their creation, but basically they believed the first human to walk out of the earth came from Wind Cave in the Black Hills.
1: I remember that we talked about that before.
0: We did. Uh, it was in Red Cloud's episode, Red Cloud, Red Cloud, and also Crazy Horse. Yeah, Crazy Horse, Sitting Bull, that We talked about it a lot. Yes. <laughs> so now, fifth time's a charm. It's going to be a drinking game at this point. <laughs> to finish Red Cloud's war, the Fort Laramie Treaty of 1868 was signed, and the Black Hills were signed over to the Sioux to quote the absolute and undisturbed use to its occupancy. That sounds nice. No one can ever use it except for the Sioux. But apparently the absolute and undisturbed use of the territory lasted about five years.
1: It's a long time. It's a lifetime.
0: Almost, yes. For a gnat. <laughs> now, even before the Fort Laramie Treaty was signed, there was rumors of gold that went back to 1834. And they even popped up again in 1852. So this isn't anything new, but it is kind of coming up again because there are rumors that the Lakota do know there are gold in the area. And they're just not going to tell the Americans about it. Now, whether that's true, I could see it being half true. I could also see the Lakota being like, I don't care about gold. Why do you care about it? Like kind of thing. So because they obviously didn't use it for currency. A man named uh, Collins wanted that gold and organized a company in the February of 1872. And it was only stopped when he was told that the American military would use force on them if they stepped on a foot on reservation land. Unfortunately for the Sioux, A year later in 1873, a severe economic downturn known as the Panic of 1873 allowed President Grant to seek other solutions and how he could find some currency. And a bunch of gold just sitting in the Black Hill seemed like a pretty good solution to his problems. I mean, it's just sitting there right for the taking. It really is. What did we sign again? (laughs) Crap. What was the exact phrase we use? Lawyers, I need you. Loopholes, loopholes. Let's go. (laughs) We need a lawyer. We need a lawyer or the men in black they don't speak english they don't know what they signed for more on that sarcastic joke um go to our fort laramie treaty of 1868 (laughs) episode he's not wrong so if the gold did certainly exist in the black hills they could sure use it brett thought president grant and in 1874 the Army commissioned Lieutenant George Armstrong Custer with the task of going to find the gold if it was there. And it turns out Custer found it. Dun and dun dun. It, and by 1875, the prospectors came in and drove at a rate that the U.S. Army couldn't keep out. So now President Grant has another think, and he believes, well, what if we just buy it from them for $6 million? And the Lakota refused. Say no. Do you remember what happened next?
1: Yes, they put the money in like a bank account, right? Oh, Isn't
0: it still collecting interest? Yes, it still is. They'll never collect that money. That is just sitting. I wonder what it's up to. I can't remember. Did you say what it's up to? I think it's like over a billion right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. Six million dollars accruing interest for 140 years goes a ways. It's gotta, it can't be in there still. They had to have taken it out. I mean. The U.S. has to say that they bought the Black Hill somehow. <laughs> so.
1: Right. The second that money, they both, both uh, the government and them check their, the bank account every day just to make sure no money's taken out of it. Today? No. I, can you imagine like <laughs> Joe
0: Biden just looking at it? Oh, look at the, did they buy it today? Nope. Sure not. We'll try again tomorrow.
1: Shoot. You, you check that, uh, that bank account over there, <laughs> sir. It's the same. Okay. Keep me updated on
0: that. But uh, then that led into, um, last stand it did because after the the lakota refused to sign then the the command was given that any native that was not on the reservation by the end of january 1870 1876 would be considered hostile they made that declaration about two months before Now, giving them approximately no time exactly in the middle of a South Dakota winter or a Dakota winter which is not fun to travel in oh it's absolutely terrible it's pretty bad especially this year I'm so sorry South Dakota I hear hear there's no snow anymore though I mean check your watch in five minutes and see if that's true (laughs) they keep getting hit with snowstorms every five minutes my poor mother's only like four foot nine at this point I don't think we can find her (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: little eric where are you sorry mrs nicholson i'm
0: <laughs> she does listen she's small but mighty Sometimes.
1: what is that little maddie you're talking about
0: mom you have to step on the stool for us to see you you're just like <laughs> muffling into the chair leg i don't
1: <laughs> man we're going heartache, at your mom and she she listens
0: I love you, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go on, go on. <laughs> so anyway, the Lillikota are considered hostile. And that leads to, obviously, Little Bighorn at uh, about six months from where we're at right now. So with the army and the natives fighting, Al Swearingen moves into hostile territory with the first set of miners that would become known as Custer City. But Swearingen isn't there to be waiting in waters and panning for gold. No, he is there to make money off of the miners while others found tools and digging for panning swearingen orders alcohol and more importantly young women because let me tell you the miners do not see many young women at all they'll see native american women but somehow they don't count i guess but they were very excited to see white anglo women come into the territory it was not did you not, say it ordered them yes well, Are he advertised, told? he advertised to like North Dakota. Oh, uh, hey,
1: okay, come on and... down. It's great.
0: Yes. So much on that later. A building was quickly erected with a kitchen, a bar, and more importantly, 14 beds. Swearingen then re- reaches out to newspaper as far as Bismarck and Chicago, telling of the new camp that the men should come and settle there. The town populates grows to over 200 thousand in about six months when gold arrive, when rumors of gold happen, Americans come a running.
1: Well, so let me ask you something, because you said 14 beds that it's not a hotel. So it's like you go in, it was sleep advertised. with the gal.
0: It was advertised
1: leave. as a hotel. Oh, really?
0: Mm. We will be going into that in detail and just give me 15 minutes. Hold on to that thought and prepare to be enraged. And I'm not okay. kidding. That's not a joke. Like I it's coming anyway. <laughs> there was one hitch to owning a saloon in the territory. Liquor sales were considered illegal on the reservation, but not really enforced. That is until the marshal wanted to put a, uh, put some notches in his belt, should we say. And in May, 1876, he arrests a prominent hotel owner in Custer city and promises that the next, that he would be coming back for more, probably looking right at Al, if not saying his name directly. I'm arresting this man now, Al, but I'm coming back for later, Al. I sure hope people are around, Al. And to his word and to his credit, the marshal does come back, but there's a bit of a hitch. The miners really don't want Swearingen to be arrested. They really think he is doing the town a service. When he is arrested, the the marshal had to let him go. And on the warrant, he wrote, quote, "I arrested the herewithin named defendant Al Swearingen, and was afterward res- who was afterward rescued by me from the citizens of the locality." they let him go because the crowd wouldn't let him be arrested. Right, I was just gonna say, AKA, if you take him,
1: I don't know if he would've survived, honestly. Nope. No, he wouldn't have. It was like in the first episode where they was like, you gotta do it yourself, buddy, otherwise they're gonna tear you apart. Say,
0: it's better this way, it really, <laughs> really is. Soaring was on top of the world in the tiny little boom town of Custer City, but when rumors of a much larger gold streak in Deadwood Gulch reach him, Swearingen doesn't take long to decide that there's much money, much more money to be made there, than it was to be in, in Custer City. So he moves. Deadwood popped out of the gold rush in 1875 when a miner found gold in a narrow canyon lined with dead trees. He then named it Deadwood Gulch, which is, very cleverly named. Uh, The name was shortened to Deadwood after a time, and the name just kind of stuck. But I think that happened in 1875. You will be shocked by just how fast Deadwood grows just when it hears and it is confirmed that there is gold in the hills. By the end of 1878, there will be 7,000 people, and the town will be three years old.
1: So in three years, it jumped 7,000 people.
0: Yeah, it went from one (laughs) miner to 7,000 people. And swearing Jin is going to enter there at the very beginning. Well, about six months from the beginning. But he doesn't instantly go into Deadwood and just opens the gem that will be coming in a little bit. Instead, swearingen has to start completely over so he's just looking for any building material any lot that will have him so what he does is he builds a lot and a saloon called the cricket which was named after a mining operation somewhere in iowa he just kind of did a little uh i guess call out to them swearingen opens up the dance hall and it is so rushed that it's not really a building per se it's much more hallway. It was about 10 feet wide and 70 feet long. <laughs> you were joking. It is a hallway. I'd like to think, do you think they were like sliding the beer on the rail the whole while? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I can't Go get like, to you, dude. I can't get to you. Wait for it wait for it wait Three, two, one. Oh, it's seven feet short
1: you're right it just slides in front of the guy next to him i also like to think oh, I what oh. i mean it's gotta be so what? loud no you're not getting it you're, you're not getting any service it's so loud in there did um was it did it just start out as a bar then
0: or did he I mean, have everything room. right away? Wasn't room for much else. I was of. gonna
1: say, what's the rooms? Is it like stand up only? <laughs> we got standing uh,
0: room only for the ladies, guys. There was some, t- I like to think of it more like a car wash. Like you start it with you, you put your change in the door at the beginning and then you just go on a conveyor belt and you get your beer, you get your lady next to you. She chats ears off. You play a hand of poker at the next station. And then by <laughs> the time you're drunk and arrested, yeah, it's dang stations. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah but it's uh right when you get to the end they throw like, a pair of complimentary cuffs on you. <laughs> Lead you to the old jail cell.
0: Uh but when you ask if there was any entertainment, the answer was yes. Do you want to guess what? Poker? Oh, yes, poker. There was gambling. Yes, yes, yes. Cross that uh, there was a well yes, there was, yep. There was a boxing match.
1: <laughs> what the frick?
0: The ring was five five foot by five foot. <laughs>
1: You're not bouncing away from anybody in that. I got to get away <laughs> nope. from the guy. His arms still reach you.
0: I, I think that was the point. Uh, do you want to know just how desperate they were for for uh, for entertainment? The newspaper went round by round the next day. Take a guess. How many rounds? Ten.
1: Fifty-two.
0: <laughs> oh my god! And even worse, it was a draw. Fifty-two rounds couldn't decide it. <laughs> you,
1: dude. I, I don't know, man. Are we good? Yeah, we good. Like I'd like to can-
0: jaws teeth missing everything's gone (laughs) i'd like to think it was like rock'em sock'em robots it wasn't even them controlling their arms at that point someone over the ropes was just flowing their arms at them (laughs) like yeah round by round for 52 rounds i'd like to know by round 47 what they were actually writing now like i said the cricket was temporary that was only version one swearingen had big grand ideas In a town that was hopefully going to be having a lot of money, and he already had a fair amount of competition. It wasn't like he was the first saloon to set up across the street or down the road of where he buys a plot of land that the gem will be is the Bella Union. Yes, the Bella Union was actually under construction before the gem and the TV show reverses that they had storyline.
1: It does. It does. Because he goes in there and he's like, what do you uh, what? We got to talk about what we're doing the same.
0: Yeah. Um, In real life, it was very much the opposite. Not only did Swearingen start building down the road, he kind of knew what the Bella Union was going to be like, what it was building. And he basically copied it and tried to make things bigger.
1: Interesting. So,
0: was it the same owner? No. Saito Oliver, I don't believe is a real person. Okay. Okay. I was I gonna, actually I was, I was wondering
1: about that. I didn't
0: write this down. I d- I think it was actually Billy Nuttall that actually owned it. Who you know him in Medwood? He's the guy with the uh little bowler hat, and the bar he owns the bar that Hickok is always in. Oh no way! <laughs> I believe. Like maybe I didn't write that down I should have. But I think it's a lot a lot of the characters in the show do exist. They're just, you know, you know, just don't don't take Deadwood as accurate. Take it as the vibe. It's fun. But yeah. Oh, and then Swearing to just said, hey, do you know that Belly Union that has been building for two months? Um, I want mine bigger and better, and I want it to be opened uh sooner. So chop chop. But because he had been opening the cricket, he had the funds to do it. And wouldn't you know it, the gem was built and completed two months before the Belly Union.
1: (laughs) Even though it was well, well behind it.
0: Yeah. The gem wasn't a complete copy of the Belly Union, though it kind of was. It was a two-story saloon with dance halls with private boxes that would offer you entertainment. We all know what that means. Other than the gambling, the women, they would also employ acrobats, aerialist singers, dancers, comedians, and apparently the world's most annoying brass band. In Esteline Bennett that I read from the, st- the Quasap, uh, people were fed up with this band. Not that they were necessarily bad. It was just they were always playing imagine at seven o'clock every day you hear the same songs all
1: the time and when time. that's the only entertainment it's gonna get pretty old
0: yeah real fast well and it wasn't even like swearing strange and obviously had them inside but there was like a balcony they would play on so quite literally they were playing to the town <laughs> and it's not like if any of you have ever been to deadwood it's not a gigantic place It's literally in a valley. It was called Deadwood Gulch, like it is in a pit. Uh, That sound was going nowhere, except everyone was going to hear what was being played. Yeah. Music to my ears. But the owner of the Belly Union wasn't going to let him go completely scot-free. The Belly Union was behind. It's not going to open up for another couple of months, but it was complete enough. So what did the owner of the belly union do? He hired his own brass band. I'm sure to the love of the uh polite <laughs> citizen. Oh my
1: god. This the battle of the the battle of the brass band, huh? <laughs> Just
0: couldn't be louder at all. So the Bella Union's brass band starts having a parade, and they go all the way down Main Street. They come back up, and happy customers, believing this is the grand opening for the gem, because that's what it's been advertised as. They follow them up and down the street, and instead of turning into the gem, the band goes right into the Bella Union, <laughs> taking its customers with it. <laughs> that's smart. It was. They all apparently left. They are obviously very angry, because... It wasn't, it wasn't the gem. It wasn't, obviously, a completed bar yet, but yes. Um, that was the nice little fu to Swearing Gin on night one. Other than the uh, Belly Union trying to steal his customers, the night couldn't have gone better for Swearing Gin. They haven't had to turn people away at the door, and refunds were returned. Disappointed customers were reassured that the gem would be expanding in the next couple of months with the addition of more performances on stage, just to make room. The first night, the gem opened, it made (sighs) $1,500 for context. The average American family was making 600 a year. So he just doubled it in a night (laughs) In a night. Yeah. When the Bella Union opened its doors in June 1877, 1,200 eager customers entered the first night, but its stage was magically 25 feet longer than the than the gym. And Swearingen couldn't have any of that. So of the improvements he did to the gym, he'd made basically a 30-foot sage and probably just looked at the Bella Union like, what now? My stage better. I was trying to figure out how many jokes I could do that because there's, boy, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit with that one of just trying to have the bigger stage. (laughs) But we're classy. We don't dip that low. (laughs) Less than a year after opening, and I'm sure to Swearingen's unrivaled joy, the Bella Union actually shut down which meaning the entertainment scene basically belonged to swearing gin. It wasn't like he was the only saloon, but he was definitely the most well-known. He was the biggest. He was the best.
1: Why did it shut down? Just no business?
0: Yeah, because the gem. Oh, uh, I think, yeah. Um, The gem took a lot of business, and I think there's also... It wasn't like these were the only two bars in town. There were about 70 businesses, 30 of which were bars. So it wasn't a, yeah, it was, there was a lot of stuff. Yeah, because there's
1: a lot of like little itty bitty bars with like a poker table or something in it.
0: That's all you would need. You just needed liquor and booze. On a nightly basis, the gem would charge customers $1 for the first floor entrance and $2 for a private box for entertainment. Beer sold for $2 a bottle, which to me is shocking
1: That's pretty expensive.
0: Yeah, $2 a bottle in 1876, I don't think was no joke. Bottles of wine sold for 10.
1: Goodness gracious. But I mean, some of these guys had a lot of gold.
0: Well, yeah, they did. And that's
1: what I was just about to say.
0: They didn't have paper currency. They would literally be weighing out gold dust at the counter and it even get to the point where they would start like veteran bartenders would sift through the dust after they got done sweeping at the end of the night and they would find some gold just laying on the dock
1: oh my god
0: what like can you even do anything with gold dust well this was the currency at this point because there's no banks in deadwood at this point right we'll get into more into that into seth bullock's episode but yeah it's that you're just trading nuggets dust i mean very rarely did someone have actual like if you if you found a huge claim you just brought that to cheyenne for the bank like you didn't you didn't bring that to swearing gin like all around for everyone please some did i guess but it would be gold dust mainly what was being switched as the night got longer and as the months rolled on things could tend to get rowdy in the gym and as you would imagine on more than one occasion swearingen was had a gun pointed right at him. On other occasions, you would hear, you would read newspaper articles of Swearingen just beating the hell out of a customer that got rowdy. Swearingen had a nasty temper, very quick. The show is quite accurate with that. <laughs> On another evening, the gym provided actions and reactions as might as you might anticipate. On the evening of June 1876, when Tom Clark got a little rowdy and became abusive in the dance hall. Tom had been a hard rock miner and working at the old A mine for a time and was in between jobs. When Tom got out of hand, Al stepped out and ejected him from the gem, supplying him with a number of bruises from head to face. In the early days of the gem, Swearingen rotated entertainment consistently. He would have clog dancers, contortionists, high wire acts, Uh, all could have been seen on the same night. The next night, you might see musicians, opera singers, uh, trick roller skaters, or even a dramatic play. Occasionally, a benefit would be held for someone in need. Fund- a benefit is just a fundraiser for a certain individual who might need the money. They're still pretty common in the Midwest. I'm assuming they're a thing everywhere, but benefits are definitely a thing in, uh, in the Midwest still. We saw an example of Calamity Jane had a benefit held for her, where then she bought everyone around. She blew it all on booze. Yes, she did. The gem had more benefits than anyone, even like a suspicious amount of benefits, to where it wasn't even 100% clear who the benefit was for.
1: (laughs) wait why did i just give money who is it uh, i don't know just keep going who is
0: bert Swearjan? <laughs> do we know him <laughs> yeah um not exactly a leap of faith to think al just advertised the benefit and just pocketed the whole thing one of the more controversial entertainments at the gym provided was a dance that we know as the can can Mm, very, very saucy dance. What made it worse, it was French. From Moulin Rouge. No, I don't I
1: know. That. know that, it was yeah. in the movie, and I don't know if it was. It was just in the movie.
0: Okay, <laughs> I'll go with it. Moulin Rouge is historically accurate, right? <laughs> right. You <can> trust that. <laughs> Everything
1: happened. Yep.
0: So the dance was developed in Paris in the 1830s, and it took the qu- territory by surprise is kind of an understatement can can was scorned by people who valued a dignified bearing because it appeared that the dancers had lack of self-control and typically involved more display of the unmentionable undergarments in other words according to jerry bryant it was fun and therefore it was highly illegal or immoral <laughs> to polite society But Soaringen advertised the can-can as a smash hit, and all the miners seemed to agree. Of course they did. Yeah.
1: They got a free show. Well, however much they
0: paid. Dollar or two. (laughs) Well, it was a dollar for floor, two dollars for entertainment. Right, yeah. Yeah. With all the stage and attractions, gambling and prostitution was the biggest draw of the gem on the floor when the entertainment was done for the evening the chairs would be cleared away at the end of the show the call girls would then invite customers to drink with them or dance with them the man would a man might watch a show dance have have a drink with one of the girls and then go away and forget the gem however if the girls got you in the box it was likely you were going to keep coming back again and again and again it wasn't like it was obviously advertised even though prostitution wasn't Obviously, it was illegal, not necessarily in these old mining towns, but a lot of the mining towns, it was just kind of expected there. But like in Deadwood, it was just kind of there. Like it wasn't as upfront and in your face as like a tombstone, but it was definitely everyone knew what was going on. And this is where it's not going to be funny for a moment, and I'm not kidding. So. Um, I do want to give a bit of a warning, uh, if you have been a victim of uh, abuse, this might be a good time to stop the episode. Um, We will be going into borderline uh, human trafficking here for the next several minutes. So you need to see how disgusting this man was, but okay when the gem opened there were only about three girls in town one of them being calamity jane uh they all worked for swearingen looking to provide more of his entertainment for his male guests swearingen would then send out advertisement to recruit girls for his dance hall he promoted the gem as a high-end restaurant and hotel so that when he would leave deadwood to scout for a new stage act for the gem, he would then also interview girls or one of his lackeys would interview these young women for maid and server jobs to lure them into Deadwood. Most of those interviewees were either impoverished or were looking to start a new life. Most were barely in their teens. Mm. Some spoke very limited English. Suringen met with them and represented himself as a proprietor, a proprietor of a large hotel and theater and dancing provision he then affected them into an agreement that if they worked they would get work waiting tables and for the hotel and they would be guaranteed 15 dollar a week plus room and board it's really good money it's not so bad. he says when they would they would then be given a one-way ticket to deadwood And when they arrived, they would be given new clothes, their hair would be styled, and they would be given something to eat. And that is when it would probably become obvious what they were actually there for. On their first night, some of them, now this can't be proof so did this, but this isn't exactly something you would write down either, but this was a well-known practice in these situations. On their first night, these girls would be paraded around in the bar and sometimes sold to the highest bidder. Obviously, they wouldn't be like an enslavement, but it was basically human trafficking. They would still be in the bar. They would they'd still be at the room board under swearing gents control, but that would be night one. The next morning, once it was almost explicitly told what they were expected to do if they wanted to go home, they were then told, well, you owe me travel expenses. You owe me for the ticket, you owe me for the food, you owe me for the clothes. And also, who's to say that when you go home, they don't find out what you did here? Right? Their public shame would be sent back, not necessarily telemarked, but it would be strongly hinted at them that their family could find out and they would be ruined, which would essentially trap them.
1: So then they feel like they couldn't go, they couldn't leave.
0: Yes. And after the first night, the camp knew what they were, even if they didn't at the time. Now, Swearingen's going to get away with this for a while. It's 1876, about where we're at. We're jumping the timeline, but it's just, we're just gonna talk about it all right here. In 1884, a Black Hills Times article would write, when one of the girls that Swearingen recruited and brought back was able to break free, and I literally mean break free because Swearingen locked them in a room to tell them what was about to happen. When one girl was able to get to the police, they said that uh, the newspaper article said, "Quote: The young women, not out of their teens, were neatly dressed and, despite their discolored, inflamed eyes as a result of continuous weeping, presented an attractive appearance. They conversed freely, sorrowfully at times, with great indignation, saying in substance that they were enraged." to be honest empl- they were engaged in honest employment in Chicago when they were allured by the advertisement in the news.
1: I'm su- I'm surprised that no one in the camp ever like was like, no, nah, this is wrong."
0: Well, I think again, it's not something you're going to ultimately talk about, especially polite society isn't going to openly talk about, but I think it was assumed that the girls n- were already prostitutes. Or already were already sex workers by the time they came there. They did not know necessarily that they were coerced there. Right. Well, there are not many more reports outside of this. One newspaper did report that on another occasion, quote, at the Gem Theater, Lena Bruce was there and not conforming to the rules of the establishment. The proprietor al swearingen assaulted her so violently that judge clark yesterday cinched him to the tune of ten dollars in cost a man or thing who will beat a woman is beneath the dignity of his species so apparently beating a woman that you've essentially kidnapped was worth a ten dollar fine <laughs> Esseline bennett who i've already kind of quoted a couple times she was the granddaughter of a judge of the judge in deadwood at the time and recalled that one woman's story uh quote once a girl in her teens came out to sing at the gym believing blithe believing that she was starting on one of the lower rungs of the ladder that would lead her to the theatrical fame and fortune she then said they then said she drank champagne on one of the boxes that first night to a gay crowd she probably never had tasted it before In the middle of the night, the party all drove to Sturgis. None of them believed she could be as naive and innocent as she seemed. Back in her room above the gym, sobered up by the hours of sleep, she shot herself at night and committed suicide. No. There's nothing we can say about how truly bad that is. That is soberingly bad yeah it's pretty horrible unfortunately one of those girls would could become al's wife who would have al would have three of them by the time he dies um Nettie came to the town as one of these girls in 1876 jerry bryant and barbara pfeiffer um speculate that the marriage could not have been a happy one esteline bennett would observe Nettie's appearance frequently and would talk about how often the the couple quarreled so violently and disastrously that she wore at least one black eye and frequently limped. Nettie would frequently <laughs> leave town and it was unclear if it was a runaway attempt or if it was at the orders of Al to possibly doing further recruiting.
1: Goodness gracious. Permanent limp. huh?
0: Not permanent, but she would right. But I mean, I'm just like saying like, he would always beat the crap out of her. Constantly bruised, constantly, yes, signs of abuse. Nettie returned around December 1879, uh, and Nettie went straight to the courthouse to swear a, war- a warrant against her husband. It was the first time the newspaper took notice that, quote, it was a pitiful sight, both eyes being blackened and her face pounded almost to jelly. The Daily Times recorded that Al had a hefty fine of $50 and was put up on $500 bond uh and was ordered to keep peace for a year that was his punishment not fifty dollars oh no especially when he made fifteen hundred dollars on his opening night and that's only gone up from this point and it's not the peak of where he's going to be at but 500 dollars is nothing to this man right Nettie would file for divorce shortly after uh there would be anonymous letters sent to the pioneer press that was heavily implied that it was Nettie sending the letters it was basically just a story of an abusive husband um who would constantly nitpick everything she did and if she didn't listen it was she would beat her again it can't be confirmed it was Nettie sending it in talking about al or if it was someone else but it's pretty heavily implied it was about al and Nettie's relationship it's very little doubt what they were about. Uh, we won't talk much on Al's second or third wife, but uh, Al would eventually have a child out of wedlock, but would marry the mother. Um, but Al would file for a divorce less than a year later after the ceremony. And it's not clear what happened to Al's daughter. Uh, she either died of an unknown cause or a family member may have taken her. And it's really not clear.
1: It was never reported on. Obviously, he's not a good dad though. Wouldn't have been a good father. No. You hope that a family member just took him, right? Or her. What happened to his first wife, uh, Nettie? She just left.
0: She just kind of disappears. Uh, okay, alive. so it's okay. Okay. Yes. Just, just checking. Just. Checking. She was able to leave. So there's no way to transition to this. So we're just going to uh to move on. Um. The gem, like most of the buildings in Deadwood, was made completely out of wood. Highly flammable wood, uh, mainly lit by kerosene lamps, which would also be how they would illuminate Main Street. Inside the buildings would also be illuminated by kerosene lamps. This isn't unique to Deadwood, as most boom towns were made out of wood, and it was obviously made them very susceptible to fires. When towns became more established, they would be build more what they would be called fireproofs. So they would build a fireproof, which is basically just a brick building, a cement built, whatever it is, but something that will not burn down as easily. It's not like they were naive that a fire could happen. In fact, Seth Bullock and many community members led a charge for a volunteer fire department and even ordered a steam engine, hoses, ladders, to be prepared Uh, but unfortunately the funds weren't there and the month then the funds weren't there and the will wasn't there so that just kind of stopped they got the equipment there were some guys that wanted to volunteer but it wasn't very well organized and nobody really followed through on it so it's just kind of there unsurprisingly at 220 in the morning on September 26 1879 the overnight staff at a bakery tipped over one of the highly flammable kerosene lamps the walls were covered in flour which made the building like twice as flammable so that went up incredibly fast and there was really nothing anyone could do about it the bakery was gone but the bakery was connected to a row of buildings The gym. About eight buildings down was a hardware store. And why we talk about the hardware store is there was eight kegs of blasting powder just waiting for those flames to meet it.
1: Oh no, it did, didn't it?
0: And once it did, it went boom. It went big boom, which also flared more fire across more parts of town that were just aching to be burned down by more flammable kerosene lamps yeah and there was quite literally not a dang thing the town could do about it ironically the steam engine that was brought in uh, as part of the it just sat there nobody was able to use it we don't know what to do (laughs) uh obviously citizens just went up the the sides of the valley and just kind of hope it put itself out. But there was a strong southern wind, so it was gonna be burning for a while. And six hours later, over a hundred homes and seventy five businesses were destroyed. The gem, one of them. Wah, wah, wah. The total cost the estimated cost take a guess
1: 40,000
0: 1.4 million dollars of damage
1: oh so a lot of stuff happened yeah. I yeah was a little bit
0: off i was a little bit off just you missed a decimal or two you missed a couple zeros <laughs> yeah uh real bad. Doesn't sound like too many people died. But the camp is only four years old. And now they basically have to start all over. Some did leave. But even the next morning, businesses business owners put up temporary tents and began selling wares, including Bullock and star who we'll talk about next episode. Saloons would put up two planks on top of barrels and start selling some whiskey. The rest of the town started building their houses again it took a while but it eventually deadwood did recover the gem was rebuilt the gem was rebuilt we'll get into that in a bit but more importantly business owners were like hey town of deadwood i know we're not like legit real but like let's get together and put in some water mains you know just (laughs) in case this happens again two week nine days After the fire broke out, the first water main was installed, heavily funded by Swearingen and other business owners. That's funny. Yeah. I'd like to think we'll get into more in Bullock's episode, but, like, you get the sense Seth Bullock was at the corner. Like, I told you guys, I told you this the entire time that could have happened and you didn't listen! So, the new gem was dedicated in November uh, November 27th, which is only uh, September. What's September to November? Two After months. About two months. Yeah. The new gem is built. But this one is bigger and better than ever. By the end of 1879, the new gem consisted of four structures. The first being a Chinese restaurant, laundry, and OTM um, room. A lot <laughs> of <the> drugs. A lot <laughs> of <the> drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. uh, Did I mention that? You having
1: allergies or something? I did, yes.
0: There was so many drugs. Of course, that was never recorded, but it was very well known that Al controlled the opium uh, supply or the drug supply in town. The gym also had the gym theater building and then the adjoining dance hall. And the last was the last building was for unknown functions. More drugs. (laughs) <laughs> murder man man you
1: gotta you gotta oh. take some you gotta take something for those Oof. sneezes
0: Oof. came out of nowhere
1: <laughs> said the drug so he also murdered a lot of people then
0: not a lot i don't well also you don't really know because he was apparently a very well he was a good criminal remember he was basically hiding human trafficking for eight years before the newspaper got out and it was only because one woman broke through broke free right and because of the fire of 1879 there's like no record of the (sighs) first Everything burned down (laughs) the time that you really want to know deadwood is like all up in flames literally yeah like it's all gone which is infuriating (laughs) Was Bullock there by then? Yes. Yes, he we're was. Going. Going. So our engine had to put true improvements to rebuild the new gem. The theater and the saloon was had a bigger stage and now had 19 private boxes. Among the second floor boxes, there was a wine and a bar room. Uh, when you entered the building, you would step into the main bar where gambling tables were in use. Moving past the saloon, you moved to the theater filled with rows of chairs and the occasional round table. The usual... Uh, with Swearingen, the one night open was not enough. In the time for New Year's 1880, Variety acts hired from New York, Cincinnati, and Chicago arrived. And now the New Gem's grand opening uh, made the New Gem incredibly profitable with his new axe. The revenue is estimated to be 5000 to $10,000 a night. Right. So he's banking. He's doing disgustingly well. What was the average, uh,
1: like, income? Average household income,
0: $600 a year.
1: All right. So, yeah, he was making 10, 15, 20
0: times that. Now, that's revenue. That's not necessarily profit, but let's be honest. It wasn't like he was probably paying the best of wages. Right. Right. If at all to the women. Yeah. In the midsummer of 1881 swearingen began to realize that the gems entertainment was in desperate need of revitalizing several of the new girls in the show had been arrested for drunken disorderly conduct after one of the girls had been called had the sheriff called on them such activities among the fair talent of the gem would be an indicator of how much control swearingen had over the past working and social environments with his ladies be that as it may it appears morale was incredibly low as i know. wonder why yeah
1: don't open.
0: pass out those surveys yeah the black hills daily time reported that the gems uh new year party was surprised by the number of customers recording that the building was packed from top to bottom and the new artists as they came on stage were greeted with rounds of applause which they grew fast and furious as the curtains ran down Things are going pretty good. Good for him, I guess. I was
1: I was literally just going to say
0: good for him. Good for old Al. Really took the sales out of this episode, deservingly. It needed to be covered, but I'm not exactly going to celebrate the man anymore. Right. Swearing Jim and the gem continue along through the 1880s. A devastating flood does hit Deadwood in 1883, but that doesn't really affect the gem at all when the story hit in 1884 84 about his human trafficking it isn't clear if the story was the reason for the decline of his business or if most of like the surface gold had already been discovered there's kind of two worlds probably both paid a bit into it because obviously that's going to leave a real bad taste in your mouth uh if you're a client of the gym why you wouldn't ever want to go there after that new story broke however the minefields had been being had been worked for eight years at this point there's not much surface gold left it's very hard to just pan for it anymore you would need companies to come in and basically just dig up new land yep in 1888 the gem nearly burned down when guess how kerosene someone Someone knocked over a kerosene lamp but because of the fire nine years before they were able to put it out because they had water in the building just remember that for just five minutes. Think of kerosene and the water working in the building. Just, <laughs> you know, no reason. Just remember that little bug in here. Your... But Swearingen faced a threat much more serious than fire because on May 1st, 1890, the new state of South Dakota passed its very first prohibition law The law banned only the sale of alcohol and drink, which would obviously be a real downer for a saloon. Now the workaround when this was pretty easy, possession of alcohol was still legal. You could still have alcohol. You just had to go buy it from Wyoming or Montana, whatever it might be. But once you would buy your alcohol, let's just say you wanted to drink it with your friends at a bar, maybe say the gym, the gym would just hand you a glass. This story makes sense. We'll give you a glass for your own alcohol to be drank at our establishment.
1: <laughs> you, you, you brought some stuff, right?
0: <laughs> you brought it with you, right? Yeah. So everyone just hauling up. Can you of imagine just bottom. some
1: guy sitting at a table with an empty glass like he forgot? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I f- forgot my liquor guy. Cheers. Sorry. And he's just like, oh, just an empty hand. I would like to think someone actually brought in like a, what, that big crate of whiskey and they're like, guys, good news, I have liquor for everyone. And everyone just looked at him like, you know, like he still has, like they're not following this law. You know that, right? But guys, I have the booze. It's legal, right? Oh, <laughs> I didn't need to go. Oh, shoot. I wasted a lot of time. So, yes. Swearing then just switched this advertisement to they were now a soft drink parlor. They didn't sell whiskey or alcohol. They served soft drinks. Tea, coffee. Yep. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <It's just laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. A disturbing amount of drunk people for a soft drink parlor, but um, he apparently was uh inspected multiple times and it was reported that there was not a drop of whiskey in the in the gym i don't think it mentions any rum or beer or anything like that but there was no whiskey in the gem, which makes you think hey inspector do you see that barrel of very illegal whiskey why don't you just have it <laughs> we don't have any right yes sir okay moving on now the prohibition couldn't have picked a worse time to take effect In 1893, a national panic set hold when a silver market bottomed out and bankrupted a lot of railroads across the country. This then caused runs on the bank, which then caused a lot of banks to close down. Citizens of South Dakota and saloon keepers, who were already losing out on potential revenue due to the ban of liquor, uh, had to come up with other solutions. The population dipped again in Deadwood as people began to leave looking for work. Fun's over. Yeah. As I said, at the height, the gem was making $5,000, $10,000 a night. But when the economic depression hit, Swearingen had to take out more and more loans. Oh, Um, suddenly you don't have so much money now, do you, bud? Well, we also didn't. What I also didn't talk about, Swearingen was being constantly sued. Like, probably every year he had some type of lawsuit or litigation against him. Uh, some of it was pretty petty some of it like some guy claimed land and then tunneled underneath the gem and then wanted to claim that he now owned the gem because he owned the rights to the ground underneath like obviously that wasn't going to fly but there was a lot of um let's just say al didn't like to pay his bills so he would then hand the ownership off for a couple of months uh, there would be a grand opening of the gym under wink, wink, new management. And then a couple months later, Swearington would be back and the cycle would repeat basically throughout the 1880s. Dang, OK. Yeah. So it's not like he was necessarily burning all his money. I mean, the Great Fire did that for him, but it's, that's not true. It's gold dust. But <laughs> you get my money. Now, what really did him in is there was a small $5,000 uh, loan that he pulled out, basically for more furnishing for the gym. And Al didn't pay it. Now, when the guy came to collect payment, Swearing Jin said no. So he took him to court. They had a little bit of an agreement. The guy said, okay. Give me $1,000 and the debt's cleared. You get $4,000 for free. And Swearingen said, no, 500. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, 4,000. Yeah, well, well, here's where I, neither of them had the money is what I'm thinking. Like the guy was probably just as broke as Al was, really needed $5,000, but $1,000 is better than nothing. And then Al coincidentally also didn't have the money. And did the same thing. So neither of them, I don't think, have the money, is how I'm reading it. But that's my own speculation. At the end of it, uh, neither, well, Swearingen said no to the $500. So it ended up that the sheriff of the county just took all the gems' furniture. <laughs> just went in there and grabbed it all, huh? Pretty much. I'd like to think customers still on it. <laughs> move, move. Oh, I bet it was all <laughs> stained and <laughs> why did you have to say it like that i'd like to think like they were they were pouring their soda and they like mm-hmm. mid-hole they just take the bottle and he's still pouring <laughs> or like they're playing darts in the corner i know darts probably isn't a thing yet but they're playing darts in the corner and the sheriff just like grabs the dart out of the air i'll be taking that like i just walking out of the room Now the saloon limped along for another two more years and was closed officially in 1897. But it's not quite the end because swearing thinks the gym could have one more run. It's got one more run in it. So he starts buying some banners. He starts obviously buying some new furniture. (laughs) And where's he coming
1: up with the money? Or is it all on credit?
0: Eh, Well, you find out in a second. And then we come to December 19th, 1899. The gem is being prepared for another grand opening when at approximately five o'clock in the morning, let's just say multiple kerosene lamps fell over at the exact same time inside the gem. (laughs) Night workers, the nighttime workers and people in the streets said that the flame seemed to burst in several interior locations simultaneously And those who passed by 10 minutes before had not seen any notice of a fire. The alarm was sounded, but wouldn't you know, somebody dialed the wrong station. Do you know the closest station was two doors down, literally? (coughs) And they went to the one across town. Surprising. While the confusion was somewhat settled, the fire teams were then unable to locate their fire hydrant wrenches when they got to the saloon
1: <laughs>
0: when, no they one... magically f- when they magically found them probably like buried underneath the gem like little doormat like oh what are these i'm so sorry uh they realized that the hookups to the water just didn't work anymore so that's a bummer
1: so burned to the ground
0: burned to the ground and swearingen had a fair amount of insurance money so the legend says of course he did yeah. So from here, it's kind of unclear what happens to Swearingen. He kind of leaves for a couple years from 1899 to 1903. He claims that he went to the Klondike Gold Strike in Canada and claims, uh, but doesn't really say what he's doing. He lives with his brother for a little bit. Remember his exact identical twin? Well, um, Lamont. Le- 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 Le Lem. 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 Um, they must have had a real striking appearance because wouldn't you know Lem got shot five times
1: in the time. <laughs> Take mm. this, Al, Al, where? Out <laughs> <don't>
0: care. care. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> yeah, uh Lem survived. But hey, uh, hey, what do you
1: know? Might as well. Clearly, start
0: clearly Al was making friends somewhere else. Uh, but Al ends up moving to Denver, Colorado, right around uh, 1903, 1904. And he makes the newspaper one more time. Do you want to hear what it is? What? On November 15th, 1904, a newspaper article wrote that 59-year L Swearingen's body was discovered on the grounds between two sets of streetcars. The death came from blunt force trauma to the back of the head. There was cut on the forehead and numerous scratches to one side of the face. Numerous scratches? So it was a female. (laughs) What?
1: Scratches.
0: I get... There are more than one way to get a scratch than a person doing it. Like what? Well, he's... Well there's obvious there's many theories there's theories of what might have happened nothing could be confirmed they just know they found his body thank god a woman did it he's dead good uh this is where we have room to speculate so i will throw out a couple suggestions and matt you can throw out whatever the hell you want (laughs) Um, okay he was on a moving train and he was either just trying to jump on the train and like hit his head on something hard and then just fell off the train he was on the moving train and fell off and then slid across the the, the, the uh the ground for a while which would explain the scratches on his face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he may have been pushed out okay or somebody might have just bashed him in the back of the head with a pipe
1: and scratched his face and scratched his face <laughs> i like your theories not All terrible theories.
0: Okay, Matt, go ahead and tell me. How did Al Swearingen die, for the record? So,
1: you may not remember, because you've mentioned it a while ago, but Nellie came in, demanding some of that insurance money, because, Mm -hmm. spoiler alert, she was one of the people in the gem that helped start the fire. Okay. Strictly for the money. Right. Al took it all to himself and went to Colorado. She tracked him down using her new husband, Steven. Steven. <laughs> yes. Hell of a guy, Steven. <laughs> but Lem. Yep. He, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was shot, spoiler alert, by Al. Okay. Because he also was in the gym to start the fire. Okay. So I Nelly saying, yeah, took... You got to finish this. We can't... Okay, we know the character. So, uh, so what happened was Al, Al was just walking. Nelly came out between the cars with a pile of rocks and went, huzzah! Scratching his face. Huzzah. And then beating over the head with, oh, but I'm sorry, Steven beat him over the head and they took his money so he died with no money
0: i like it and Nettie just scratched him what's that and that Nettie just scratched him no the dirt she threw it in his face huzzah
1: Scratches. Ah, okay All right. well you to here first or my mm-hmm. other my other theory mm-hmm. uh mountain lion just scratched him and killed him they butted heads as it jumped towards him scratch him <laughs> Ahead, was he staring down the mountain lion <laughs> yeah you know when it jumped at him and clawed his face scratches he hit the back and then the mountain lion grabbed him rolled him over but then got scared away
0: that's I how he has found I have a theory this is what alright so in my completely original idea their Lem and Al were they're overlooking a th- uh, a hang overlooking a hanging and underneath is a deep canyon. And Al is at the bottom of the train, over the, over, like, Lem is holding onto his hands. And they're looking at each other. And they're like, brother, <laughs> I love you. And suddenly in the far, you can hear a, a pack of wildebeest <laughs> coming down a valley. And you can just Jesus. say, "I'm saying, I'm the one. Let's <laughs> him go. He's trampled by wildebeest
1: Was Al's son there (laughs) By chance
0: No but this is where Nettie comes in And instead of going Are you okay She just keeps punching him in the face Like you mother Scratches And that's how it happened Mind blown (laughs) shall we rank him let's rank this sob okay first round are you satisfied this is our biography round where we're gonna be handing out negative 10 points a piece to positive 10 points a piece demanding and how well we liked his story matt did you like his story i didn't i don't like that
1: guy i i want him to get the lowest <laughs> score possible because i hate that guy i hate him more than um Tom
0: something. Tom something? Tom. Tom Horn? Yeah. John Wesley Harden? John Wesley Harden. That's okay. the one. The, the, the lowest score to date, right? You know who I thought of? James Bowie. Why? He human trafficked. You? He had oh, I slaves. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. And to that. me, now... I don't know what the exact definition, this is going to like out of context, I understand, is what Swearingen did the exact definition of human trafficking? He's probably not. But it's pretty damn close.
1: It's funny you say that because it is a form of, of trafficking. Um, there's a case in the news right now going on. Oh. Um, that influencer... I don't really want to say his name but uh in Romania Oh, I don't his want to know his whole thing his whole thing was that he would uh, promise people go like be tend to be their girlfriend, like test them out and then force them into the sex trade. Jesus. So, well,
0: it is great. I'm saying it is. When okay, you good. say it's something else. I am too. It doesn't matter at this point. Splitting hairs. So his <sighs> story now, the, now to me, I think that's the next round myself. But what did we? Here's get the Jim? thing. Yep.
1: Here's the thing. I don't like. I mean, his story was interesting as a as far as because it's so intertwined with Deadwood. Yep. And Deadwood is interesting. You know, you get a whole bunch of lawless. I mean, I don't even think there was the law for nope. ever, right?
0: That's next episode.
1: All right. I know. That's what I'm like, I know I kind of vaguely get that from the show, but um, now a question I did have, I mean, and it's kind of might be off to- topic, but you said Calamity Jean was there at the beginning.
0: Yeah, she worked for Star Engine. Was she one of the recruiters? She was. She went on one trip to recruit interesting Interesting. there's even one part that i left out because it was there was no way to like to fit it in because it doesn't necessarily mesh with the tone that i needed to take at that time but when the gem opened there were uh three girls in camp which i think i mentioned but there was also a fourth that was a man in a dress (laughs) (laughs) which you know Either that guy was very happy to put on the dress or someone drew the short straw that morning.
1: <laughs> right. To try and bring people in. What do you,
0: what are you getting? What are you going to rank? I just looked at James, Bow. We gave him negative six, basically negative six and a half. Um, I'm going to i do not We spent a lot of the time talking about the bar more than Swearingen or the events like very because like not a lot is written on swearingen like there's not even that many books on him to be honest um so i'm just gonna go negative four because i don't think i don't think his story
1: is is, the story is him the good story is deadwood the gem that's an interesting So I'm going to go ahead and say negative three and a half. Negative 3.5.
0: Okay. Means negative seven and a half for that round. Next round, be sure you're right, then go ahead. This is our morality round, and we're going to be handing out negative 10 points.
1: Right? Al, you silly, silly piece of bee! Beep, 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 And you beep, 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 beep.
0: Negative 10. What about you? Yeah. Um, I didn't have to think about that. As soon as I thought of games of the way, I was like, yep, that's just as bad. We gave him a negative 10 just on those. I don't see why those are any different or why one would be better than the other. So negative 20 for that round. I don't think we need to discuss why.
1: No, the dude was a terrible human being. I don't think there's any redeeming qualities, to be honest with you.
0: There's not. And you really when you watch Deadwood, you're really going to have to uh, forget the real person to get back into the character, but or you're going to look at him as the true villain he actually was, which I think will be interesting. But um, not really talked about much because there's not really written about it. He did control the opium trade. Um, He killed people. I'm sure of it. Not anything that you can look up or know about because he wasn't probably the one doing it. Yeah. So negative 20 next round to hell with the consequences. We're going to be handing out positive 10 points a piece to ne- negative 10 points a piece, depending on if we think he's crazy or clever. Now This is where he's probably really effing smart. Unfortunately, it's for the worst place <sighs> possible. Yeah, but still. Uh...
1: I mean, you could say a person that hits a lady is crazy. Right, but I... That's why I'm going to...
0: I mean, I'm going to go... Pop Was he I business savvy? Was he business savvy? I mean, when you make 10 grand a night, and like... His scheme, there were
1: more bars there, too.
0: I mean, he burned down his own building to get insurance money. He, I mean... When he saw an opportunity, he took it. Does that make him clever? It makes him ruthless.
1: I'm going to go. Four. Positive four. Yeah. Because I still think he had a bit of crazy. I don't think he was like the smartest man in the room. Probably.
0: We've seen better schemes.
1: Now the show from what I've seen so far, again, I'm only on episode, you know, three. Making him seem a little smart, ruthless, yeah.
0: but like he's knows what's up. He politics okay. around the entire time. Yeah. So positive seven. That means his score is sitting at negative 20.5. If he had been. So we are going to continue to subtract points from him. Uh, if he had been positive, we would continue to add points to him from here on out. So next round is draw. If we got into a fight with Al Waringen, how screwed are we based on a uh, from zero to 10? Here's the thing.
1: I don't think we'd be screwed because he
0: has other people do his dirty work. I think. He does. But I think while he, while you were on the dueling field, someone would come up from the crowd and just stab you in the side before you shoot. He would, he would set it up so that the duel wouldn't happen and you would still be dead. Like I'd have one,
1: like I'd have no bullets in my gun. Yes, I'm gonna say a two.
0: I'm gonna go higher than that for that reason. I got because your ba- k- I got
1: your back, Eric. I'd make sure no one comes up and shivs you in the kidney. My hero, <laughs>
0: who's gonna stop them from shiv- co- shiv- I'm, you? I'm, the watch,
1: it'd be me. I'd come up behind you and go. Just kidding.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say he paid me so much gold. I'm so sorry. Like, that was- <laughs> i was sweeping and i found a lot of gold dust i'm sorry so (laughs) i'm gonna be i'm gonna balance the world of what i think he would do because i think we would be dead but if it was strictly him and it wasn't a fist fight because it sounds like he was a heck of a he was a fighter i'm gonna go negative six because i think he would tip the scales in his direction I can see your negative two because i don't know how good of a fighter he really was but I he also said like of a
1: fighter i was i'm like i'll tell you what eric i'm good
0: yeah yes, <laughs> yes you look at are. these claws the scratching and the claws this <laughs> what is this huzzah <laughs> uh negative eight Next round legacy, how well known is Al Swearingen based on zero to ten? How much credit is Deadwood? It's the show.
1: show. Okay. Here's what I was gonna say. Because of Deadwood. The
0: show. So many people know him. Yes. In fact, I'm going to wager this is a lot, like in the future, this will be a lot of people's first episode. Because he is that famous from that TV show.
1: Here's the thing, though. I didn't know who he was, but I never
0: watched uh, Deadwood. Mm -hmm. So. So how much credit are you giving a show from 20 years ago that lasted three seasons? Six. What about you? don't think it's a terrible score. I do think if you just ask the average person at this point they know him because of the show.
1: But oh I guess we never really discuss do people think he's real? Yeah, that's a good point. I would assume was I guess did you watch Deadwood when it was out or years
0: later after the fact? A couple of years later. I was in college, so like, because I guess
1: I was, I was just curious if they marketed the show as
0: semi true or if they. (laughs) You, we, we both lived in South Dakota at the time, so the Deadwood TV show was like, oh my god, they're talking about South Dakota. Everyone isn't this great? Oh my god, we're incredibly violent. This is what we want. Like that's so like maybe maybe we tilt the scales a little bit (laughs) because it was in our face. When it was out, I'm going to go negative eight. I do think he's upper tier known. Shouldn't be, but he is. It doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, negative 14. Next round, death bonus. We're going to be heading out in zero to two points apiece if we think he had a cool death story. I'm inclined to believe your story and my story that we made up. I agree. I'll go
1: two. <laughs> I say like a uh, Max. You're going Max? No, no. Uh, I'm gonna do. I'm going negative
0: two. I'll I do... like this. I like the bastard died. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Yeah. He was. I'll, do, I'll do two. I'll do two as well. The most, well, not the most deserving murder, but definitely like top five most deserved murder in this podcast, and we've now covered thirty people. And That's if he awesome.
1: wasn't murdered, I hope he was murdered. He was murdered. I refuse to believe any other. Watch him just
0: trip on his own freaking boot. See, now it's also hysterical. What if instead he just like literally tripped on a shoelace and then just like comically fell down the same train mm-hmm. flight of strays <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was, just like, hit bonked his head. Train. Yeah. Oh, that'd be it's awesome. Amazing everyone listening send us your own version of how Al Swearengen died we'd love to hear it <laughs> maybe we'll read them out the next couple of shows uh when we when we get them because that could be a lot of fun that'd be hilarious okay next round counting coup uh divide his kills divided by 10. i don't have a number for this i i don't know i'm oh, gonna give him credit for the girl that committed suicide um so point one yeah, I don't know what else to give him. There's nothing.
1: Yeah, I don't think. And, anyone, and even if people did die, it probably couldn't be traced back to him anyways.
0: That's just it. So. All right. That gives him a final score of negative 46.6. Ooh. Mm. That's the best. The positive seven hurt him, or else he would probably be in the sixties. We gave him no so negative forty, six point seven.
1: So now there will be no coin flipping, as you know, because I am two figures ahead of Eric on our teams. Um so Eric gets first choice. Does he want Al or does he not want Al?
0: where i feel like i have to take him i don't want him my first incline is to pass on him but because i have complete control over who we go over i could just keep punting on people until i found no remember we made a rule
1: whereas if you like cancel the the first one then the one in between remember
0: no, but because like I could just stat, like I could do no name, no name, no, and then Lou like a really big name and pick. So I'm going to take him. Um, I think he's going to get dropped. I personally don't like him on my team. I think he's an incredibly despicable person, but he does have name recognition. You Bailey. will remember him. Yeah, for sure. I just, and I think like I could see him. In the tournament, taking out someone with a much higher score. I could see him taking out. I think if you have, I think he would, I think he'd take out Tom Horn. Yeah. Uh, He's not much higher, but Bowie. um, William Clark, I think he would take out. I'm just looking at your team, but on my team,
1: (laughs) I'm just looking at your team to destroy.
0: I mean, Annie Oakley, maybe.
1: Who's Annie so Oakley? I, Did we go over
0: here yet? this is I just get How dare you? How dare you? So I will take him. H- huzzah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's about right. So I'm very sorry to everyone that I've ruined Al Engine for you. Matt, do you have anything to say on this guy?
1: Ian McShane is not Al Swearengen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're watching Ian McShane, not Al Swearengen. <laughs>
1: you, you do not know. like Al Swearingen. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go take a shower now. Ugh.
1: But... Remember, if you like what you heard today, go ahead and like and subscribe. Leave us a comment on whatever podcast service you are listening on. Uh, We really appreciate it. And you can always check out our website, ranking76.wordpress.com, where you will find a link to all of our social media, our email. You can see the scorecards. You can check out the other episodes you may have missed. Um, We really appreciate it. With that, I'm Eric. And I'm Matt. Okay. I'm going to do an impression and I want you to tell me who it is. I think you'll be able to get it. Okay.
0: Hi guys.
1: My name's Eric. How's it going? Golly G Wilkers, Matt.
0: (laughs) I don't know who you're doing, but he sounds sexy.